I don't even have the energy to do a cold open. I suffer from a debilitating condition known as atropic shockitis. Peter's one of the greatest depositors I've ever seen. Trust the process. Let's go. Let's go. I got auto match with Levitan. This is bullshit. If I just go the other way in that 66, I win all the money. All the money. If I had 150 lineups, I'd win too. Process over results. Hey everyone. Good morning. GM, 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 GM. 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 How are we doing? How are we doing this morning? It's getting cold and dreary in New England. Oh, yes. There are raindrops on the windowsill. The only good thing about it is it is hoodie season. It is nice to wake up, throw on the sweatpants, throw on the hoodie. But a slightly uh, depressing day of football uh, yesterday. We had zero Cooper Cup. I don't know how that happened. I, I really don't. We talked about it on the tilt space. I mean, he was just such an obvious great play, but instead I fell in love with Derrick Henry and Darrell Henderson and decided that I was going to be super smart and play Tyreek Hill. So it was a rough day for me, GPP wise. Even in my rough weeks this year, I had been eking out some min caches. I didn't have any caches in the four spies I played yesterday. Uh, we'll, we'll review those. I played the 400 K spy. I played the double spy. I played the 150 K spy in the hundred K spy zero, 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 zero. Then I tilt entered the showdown slate last night. I did a couple 20 max sets, bricked those. And then I thought I had my underdog pick them. I thought I had a good sweat. I took the overs on Michael Pittman and Jimmy Garoppolo passing yardage. Michael Pittman got there on like one play in the first quarter. And then it was this Jimmy Garoppolo sweat. He was 14 yards away. They had the ball at the end of the game. And then he threw a pick. So it was just, uh, it was a brutal day. PD picks, GPP, everybody flopped yesterday. But that is how it goes. It did seem like a lot of you, though, had good days. Shout out uh, to Drico. I saw him finishing atop a tournament. Uh, got tagged in some tweets. Saw you guys had some very nice lineups. My ship chasing partner, Pat Corain, won the spin move yesterday. Had a very nice day. Although, although Pat Crane won with a lineup where he burned his flex early, guys. Can you imagine this? Should I just pull this up right now? I mean, it's like you, you just want to be so happy for your friend. You know, Pat goes full-time fantasy. He's grinding. He's blurbing. He's writing. He's building beautiful, correlated, winning DFS lineups. And then he does this. And then he does this, Jamar Chase in his flex with Cooper Cup up there in one of the wide receiver spots. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine being this good at DFS and then having to ruin it? I can't even, I can't even applaud him with a straight face. 
I would rather lose every single one of my DFS contests for eternity than to post a screenshot having burned my flex. This is about morals. This is about process. This isn't about money. This isn't about winning. It's not about playing the best plays. It's not about triple stacking the Rams. No, it is about understanding how important that optionality is. And Pat Corain dropped the ball. Or should I say Uncle Blue Hen, UNC Blue Hen. I wish I could say congrats, Pat, but I can't. All I can do is look into the camera and say, be better. Be better, okay? <laughs> Very nice light up from Pat Curry there. Uh, loved the Stafford triple. Wish I would have thought of it. Wish I wouldn't have fallen in love with Darrell Henderson. Ugh. Um, how are we doing this morning, guys? How are we doing? Hmm. <laughs> Pat Curry and listened to Osimo. That swapping was a waste of time anyway. That's right. I did see Belair at the top of a, a FanDuel contest. Congratulations to Belair. Big, big, big day for the ship chasing boys. By the way, if you guys are just uh, DFS bros, um, I, I recommend checking us out on ship chasing. We go live every Wednesday night and yes we're we're more focused on season long waivers uh but i think there's a lot of nuggets in there that you can apply toward the upcoming dfs slate and also we have sam hoppin uh who works for for four for four in betsperts and he does a show called stat chasing on tuesdays where he breaks down all of the usage from the previous week in a really digestible manner he has the charts up there I think it's an invaluable listen to as kind of your laying the framework for your forthcoming DFS research. So if you haven't checked us out over on Ship Chasing, definitely do that. It is a fun time, fun show, and we can further roast Pat on Wednesday for being good at DFS slash burning his flex spot. Let's uh let's jump into one of my main lineups here. I didn't even update my spreadsheet yet. <laughs> when I win, I get all excited to update my spreadsheet. Ooh, look at the winnings go up. And then I lose and it's, you know, two minutes till 10 a.m. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not updating this. Um, that's that's just how it goes. That is how it goes. Let me get this lineup up here. We can start to look at some of these GPP teams. I did do a decent amount of swaps um, just because I wasn't feeling too hot on, on some of these lineups uh, heading into... The 4 p.m. slate. So we can look at some of these lineups. Let me get this screen big so you don't need a magnifying glass to read it. Dun, 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 dun. Um, zoom, zoom, zoom. Okay, here we go. So this lineup, uh, this was a lineup that I initially had a Darrell Henderson, Van Jefferson in, as opposed to the Chase Edmonds, Rondell Moore. So I knew both Rondell Moore and Van Jefferson weren't going to be, you know, super popular per se, but of course I knew I was going to be getting a massive ownership discount going from Henderson down to Chase Edmonds. I ended up across uh, my late swap splitting Chase Edmonds and James Conner 
Uh, I know Leone in the ETR projections slightly preferred Chase Edmonds. I thought they were fairly similar, and at the same price, uh, I ended up splitting those across my late swaps. But in this lineup, I did decide to to go to Chase Edmonds and Rondell Moore. Um, once Foster Moreau opened up, I did uh, find a way to get him into some of my lineups. I, you guys heard me say it uh, yesterday morning. I, I fell in love with this Derrick Henry, Tyreek Hill mini. I was actually hoping Derrick Henry would come in a little lower owned. I was hoping he'd be at about 20%, but getting Tyreek Hill at 15%, I felt good. And then when you're chewing up, you know, that much salary, what is that? 17, eight on two guys, you have to save some money. So Foster Moreau was kind of a godsend there at 2,500. And we've seen Foster Moreau uh, fill in for Darren Waller and be solid previously. We've also seen him just find his way into the end zone, even when Waller is active. So I had a decent amount of confidence as with Foster Moreau as a pump play. Uh, so that really helped me. I ended up in this lineup having just $4,900 left over. And so I played a one-off uh, T Higgins here. But the the other main part of this lineup, of course, was the Philly stack, Jalen Hurts to Devonta Smith. Um, and let's see here. And then the Foster Moreau bring back, obviously. So that was kind of just the skinny stack I wanted to do with Hertz, but I didn't have a lot going early in this lineup. Uh, we basically had Henry, Hill, Higgins, and then the Jets D. I mean, God, the Jets D. I, uh, there was a few defenses I liked this week. Uh, I ended up using Eagles, Jets D, uh, Falcons D. The thing that was so frustrating yesterday, and we we dealt with this on the tilt spaces, we all thought the Giants defense at 2,500 was going to be the chalky, cheap defense. And then in our contests over there, the Eagles were the mega chalk, and the Giants flew under the radar, which is absurd because the Giants were obviously a better play, but I thought the ownership was going to be meaningfully different. So it always sucks when you get the ownership wrong like that. Um and and then don't make the right play because with defense I'm not I'm not really overthinking it I'm I'm just trying to play the best possible play that isn't you know over ten percent and so to whiff on that Eagles Giants two v two like that burns because the Giants were a total jam if they were sub five percent like they ended up being in some contests my only theory was that everyone was trying to do these studs and duds lineups and those extra two hundred dollars in savings going down from the Giants to the Eagles ended up mattering for a lot of people and everyone just ended up there. But man, that, that sucks. I mean, the Jets defense here, whatever it's, it's defense. New England goes, goes nuclear minus three. It happens. Um, I mean, uh, how many targets did T Higgins have yesterday? They have 14 targets or whatever, only six catches. So, uh, you know, running a little poor there on his efficiency, but this is just kind of like a classic, GPP lineup. I'm I'm pretty happy with most of the exposures here. Um, I think my my main stack with Hertz and Smith. That's about where I expected it to be. Edmonds I thought was a good pivot considering where I was at. Higgins I think a really nice one off there. I mean it it was the same deal this week looking at the Bengals wide receivers where. You know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, I thought they were going to be around 10% each. T. Higgins was the better value at 4,900. Jamar Chase offers the better ceiling, as we saw. But to have T. Higgins at 4.3%, like, completely happy 
with that. And then Edmonds and Rondell Moore, that's just a pivot. You know they're going to come in low. And then the Cardinals have this massive team total there. We we see each week two, two to three of these Cardinals go off. It's, it's hard to pinpoint which one of them it's going to be. I took two stabs here. Edmonds, Rondell Moore, doesn't work out. GG, hit the showers, hit the sauna, tilt enter, Sunday night showdown, and live to see another day. How are we doing in the chat? Thank you. Breaking news. Zach Wilson out two to four weeks. At what point in your construction do you pick your D? Is it the last thing you do? Um, I would say in general, I, I start with a couple of pieces. And, and this I would say is true for our tilt space lineup builds too, where, you know, say I know I'm doing this Philadelphia stack or say I know I'm doing the Derrick Henry Tyree kill mini, and then I'm doing the hurt skinny stack. At that point, I like to throw in a placeholder defense. I'll probably put one in, in the 25 to 2800 range. And that just to give myself a feel for where we're at, you'll, you'll see us do this on the swole cast too, right? Where it's like, let's just put a defense in and give us a, a range. And then I'll tweak from there. Uh, in, in some weeks it's been hard with defense where it's like, all the top plays are going to be popular or really expensive. And you're just like, what am I supposed to do? This week I actually thought was a decent week for defenses. I thought uh, Eagles, Jets, Giants, well, if I would have known, uh, Eagles, Jets, Falcons, uh, Packers, I thought looked good. Raiders looked good. So there were enough options across that spectrum from 2,300 up to what were the Raiders at like 3,000 uh, that I felt comfortable kind of making that work around that. How many mortgages do we take out before we give up on Robbie Anderson? That's a question for Michael Leone. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even have Robbie Anderson in my player pool this week. I, I get the thesis of the play. He was in the air yards by low model. He gets 10 targets a game and does nothing with him. It does feel like we're heading toward redacted territory there. Uh, it, and we've just seen the, the Panthers haven't found themselves in any really pace up games lately. Uh, the offense is still pretty concentrated around Chuba and DJ Moore, it's just hard when Sam Darnold's not playing well, the games aren't pacing up for those ancillary pieces. And I'm sorry, Leone, for calling Robbie Anderson an ancillary piece, but it's hard for those pieces to, to have, you know, league or, or slate winning performances. Shout out to Nick here. Let's see, was this the spy? Nick took down the spy. There he is. Boom. Let fine. Let's 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 lift our spirits up here with Nick coming in hot. Shipping a hundred K first place in the spy. Just congratulations, Nick. Honestly, uh, awesome lineup here. Rocking the underdog avatar shipping tournaments. That is the way it is done. Let's look at this lineup here. Um, absolutely love this lineup. And I saw someone giving him some shit, uh, I think, uh, for not doing uh, a, a proper bring back. Uh, I think this was an awesome lineup. Uh, let's go through it here. So we do go with the double tight end with Gesicki and Kelsey. You go with a skinny, skinny stack, Tua to Gesicki. You go with Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson and then bring it back with DeAndre Swift. You play a one-off Damian Harris. And then you're heading into the late slate uh, because you had Tua, Gesicki, uh, Kelsey, Giants all do well. You're able to let uh, Godwin run. Uh, you're allowed to eat the chalk there. Uh, Cooper cup at 16.2% is just phenomenal. 
this is um, a really good lineup. And it's what we're talking about with the Giants D. Like if I knew the Giants D were going to be 6.4%, uh, this is uh, this is a smash there. And I saw a lot of the sharp lineups yesterday have the double tight ends. Uh, we were looking at Wiggins lineup on tilt space. He had the Gasecki and Kyle Pitts lineup here, the Gasecki and Kelsey. Uh, I just think this is uh, a really nice lineup. And you also, I think what was so hard for me yesterday is I never even got on the Swift bring back because I thought he was going to be 15 to 20%. And I think I even mentioned it on the stream yesterday morning where I was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel good about Swift. And what, what we had happen was we had the two chalk, chalkier running back plays in Derrick Henry and Darrell Henderson. And then we had this kind of tier of, the DeAndre Swift, uh, the Leonard Fournette, these guys who are all going to catch what was projected as 15 to 20% ownership, but some of them in these single-entry contests really got squeezed ownership-wise. And, I mean, DeAndre Swift at 7.8% is such a jam here. And we talk about, you know, the number of things you have to get right here. And so maybe Shubat had to get a few more things right, but he's still fairly concentrated around a couple of things. The two is stack. He's concentrated around this Los Angeles Rams Detroit game. He plays Damian Harris, uh, who I would have assumed would have even been more contrarian than what he came in at. And then when that, when those pieces hit, this is what we talk about all the time with late swap. Like you now have the green light to play Chris Godwin in Cooper cup. When these pieces hit early like this, you can let those ride. Uh, and so I thought this was a really nice lineup here, uh, even left $200 on the table. Shout out to you. I would have definitely moved up to Falcons D with my extra 200, uh, cause I'm a fish, but, uh, congratulations to, uh, Shubot on this team. Always enjoy having you in the chat in the underdog streets and, uh, a well-deserved bank here, just absolutely pulled away from the field. 220.24 next closest 206. 0.86. Um, yeah, all of these, most of these spy lineups are hundred dollars. I have been doing this uh, double spy lineup where we can check out here. This is kind of my version of the two a lineup. And I believe, yeah, this is what I had in the double spy. This was going to end up being one of my more chalkier lineups. And so I did put it in the smallest contest that I played the 833 entries here for the double spy. Sometimes I talking for 45 minutes straight without taking a breath is exhausting. So I need to tell myself to, uh, to slow down a few times, take a sip of coffee. Mm. <sighs> yeah. The broadcast just brought up national tight end day again. They sure love telling us about national tight end day. I mean, this is, this is the only reason I knew I was able to flex Foster Moreau here is because it was National Tight End Day. So I was, like I said, I, I wanted, I loved the Derrick Henry, Tyreek Hill minis. I, I ended up kind of cycling through some of these minis. I was doing Derrick Henry with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I was doing AJ Brown with Tyreek Hill. I was kind of trying to mix and match. I wasn't game stacking that game, but I did want to have a lot of those mini correlations. It did have the biggest over under on the slate there at what was it 56 and a half. So I, I did want to be exposed to potential ceiling outcomes in that game. 
Um, so this one had a Derrick Henry Kelsey. I did do the skinny stack here with Tua, did Tua to Waddle and brought it back with Ridley. Uh, obviously, as we saw too on the tilt space in those in the 444, this Tua stack came in much more popular than I thought. Um, and this was a tough one because I, I probably should have known. I mean, early in the week, like I ran the projections on Tuesday looking at optimal lineups. And already, like if you just ran, uh, if you forced single stacks and double stacks on the optimizer early in the week, I mean, the Tua stuff was popping all over the board. Calvin Ridley was popping on the board. He was mispriced at 6,600. He was showing up in all the optimals. So I should have known. And the other thing too is Devontae Parker, most of the projection systems were uh, were rolling out projections all week that didn't include Devontae Parker to start. So it wasn't like there was anything sneaky about Waddle and Gesicki kind of having a concentrated target share. That cat was out of the bag. And boy, man, did this did this stack get steamed hard. Um, I knew this would be my chalkiest lineup, which is why I put it in the smallest field, but still not too happy, you know, having the Tua Ridley Waddle, you know, ownership here. Uh, I think I was a little stubborn sticking to that. I ended up doing a late swap on this team. I wonder if I can go into my spreadsheet and even let me see what this lineup was originally. I do not believe I had, I believe I had Henderson in this lineup. How did I end up with two jets? How did I end up with two jets defense negative three? I mean, God damn, I normally try to, um, spread out my defensive exposures across the lineups. Um, it's not like I thought, uh, he was such an incredible play that I had to, uh, had to, uh, play the Jets D. I just wanted to see what this lineup was, uh, initially. And I think I have it in my spreadsheet. Yeah. So this one initially had, uh, Darrell Henderson instead of James Connor. And then it had, um, let's see. Oh yeah. Then I had, uh, Hunter Ren or no, sorry, I'm in the wrong one. I had uh, Van Jefferson and Tyler Johnson. And then, so I ended up doing this, uh, the swap, basically a 3v3 swap where I came down from Henderson to Connor. I moved up from uh, from Van Jefferson to Hunter Renfro and down from Tyler Johnson to Foster Moreau. Um, I thought that I kind of liked this swap here once Waller was ruled out you know, trying to identify the two biggest beneficiaries in the Raiders passing game that weren't going to get too steamed. So I, I like this move to Renfro at 10%, Foster Moreau at 6.6%. You know, normally I'm like, ah, the, the double tight end stuff or whatever. But to me, I was like, I was going to be punting it with Tyler Johnson or Van Jefferson anyways. So I don't think at that point there's too much of a difference between the ceiling of a Foster Moreau or those other pump play wide receivers. And then again, just, just trying desperately to catch up on the field. You know, I think there's definitely scenarios, uh, where this late swap, uh, works out in a better fashion, but it was one of those lineups. I had no choice, but to get off of Darrell Henderson. And so pretty happy with the, the late swap there, but that's about all I have to be happy about. Not happy with the two stack ownership there. Um, I mean, I should have been less stubborn. I was looking at the two V twos. I even said it. Uh, I said it on the show. I said it in the Slack. I said the Waddle and Ridley versus Pitts and uh, what was it? No, Waddle Ridley versus Gesicki 
in pits. Like those kind of 2v2s looked really interesting. I just, I had a hard time pulling the trigger early on double tight end, knowing I wanted to have access to the Foster Moreau swap. So that was kind of what I got hung up on, was not wanting to burn both of my tight end slots early. And that ended up backfiring because it didn't allow me to play the 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 actual good plays in that in that game relative to ownership. I mean, Pitts was a smash with at Ridley's ownership, and I guess the, the Waddle stuff is is tough. I mean, both Waddle and Gesicki ended up being popular, so I don't know if there was a way around not eating some of the chalk there. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's the delicate balance we always talk about where. I probably got a little too anchored to this Tua stack just because it was my path to unlocking two of the high-priced options in that Chiefs-Titans game. And then once I was kind of locked into that, I had a hard time, you know, pivoting uh, off of the Tua stack there. And I honestly didn't think it was going to be 13%. I mean, 13% for Tua is a lot. But I guess the the ownerships in this in this double spy are fairly condensed. People find themselves on on the best plays at a pretty good clip. So I, I think I messed that one up there. The Jets are the worst team in football. I really wish you would have told me this before I played them in two of my lineups. I, I really wish you would have. I mean, so are the Texans. And and how many sacks did the Texans have on the Cardinals yesterday? They were fine, right? Defensive scoring is just so is so random that uh, I mean I'm I'm basically trying to save money and trying to not play popular plays. Sometimes that means you fly too close to the sun and the Jets give you minus three. We live to see another day. No, Parker Parker didn't play yesterday, and that that was kind of my point. Like you know, with Waller, projection systems had Waller in all week because he didn't get injured until Saturday. And so people weren't anchored to Foster Moreau. Like if Waller was out all week, Foster Moreau would have been popping. He would have been like RSJ a couple of weeks ago when he was 3000 and everyone would have been ready to use Foster Moreau to unlock builds. So Foster Moreau ended up being sneaky because the projection systems, because the content didn't have a chance to solidify that within the DFS hive mind. But with Devontae Parker, he was out all week and people were staring at the same stuff I was, which is, holy cow, this Tua double stack is very condensed and projects really well and allows you to save money and get in some higher price studs. I think ultimately my fatal flaw this week was falling in love with the Derrick Henry and Darrell Henderson chalk and not um, appreciating that Cooper Cup was a smash play that wasn't going to come in over 20%. Like if Cooper cups 40% in this spot and he buries me, then I just shrug my shoulders and say, all right, GG, uh, good job. You guys, uh, you played Cooper cup, but when he's coming in at 20%, let's see what he was in this double spy. Wow. The, the top lineup didn't even have Cooper cup. That's insane. Look at this able to get it done without Cooper cup. Jamar Chase, Terry McLaurin, Uzuma. Wow, this is a this is a wild lineup. Uh, nice job. Uh, what was Cooper Cup? Second place lineup. Does it have Cooper Cup? No, did no one play Cooper Cup? All right, here he is. 15.8%. That is absurd. 15.8% Cooper Cup. And Mike Evans comes in at 
that is wild. I mean, Cooper Cup is the jam of all jams at 15.8%. And I say this as someone who was, you know, ready to fade him at 23%. And I even, even that was probably dumb. But 15.8%, goodness. Paul says, did you play any Miles Sanders? I know in hindsight it's easy to question the play given he left early, but kind of regret playing him as much as I did. He was so cheap, though. Yeah, he was another one of those guys that I thought projected well. I didn't think he was a bad play, but he, he was also projecting for like 15 percentage of ownership. And I'm trying to tab through my lineups. I thought I maybe had him on a lineup, but I didn't. I did not. I ended up getting in Gaskin. This was my one lineup I cashed in. It's not a spy. Um, so it technically doesn't go in the spreadsheet, but I so desperately needed to pull up one lineup that had any bit of green in it. But yeah, I ended up going with a Miles Gaskin there just because I thought he was a similar play to Miles Sanders. Same, similar price, similar role in ceiling, I thought, similar game environment, and then was just going to carry way less ownership. So I didn't think um I didn't think he was a bad play, but uh I didn't I didn't get on uh Miles Sanders. Um Let's go over to this other spy. Um, you know, the other quarterback uh, I definitely liked this week was Lamar Jackson. Marquise Brown was our cover boy on the show yesterday. He was popping and run the Sims uh, all week. Uh, he was a top there, you know, as he just set up as a very kind of obvious leverage play with the Rashad Bateman hype. Uh, Rashad Bateman ended up being very popular, and I think rightfully so, but it did set up uh, Marquise Brown to be a very solid play. I ended up doing another bring back here with Higgins. It was one of those things where I love the Marquise Brown and Jamar chase, um, mini correlation. And I did end up using this in this other spy lineup here. Uh, somehow I have a Tom Brady and a Jamar chase, Marquise Brown and Godwin and still can't even eke out a cash because I suck. Uh, but anyways, I like the Jamar Chase, Marquise Brown. We saw that as a staple of winning lineups yesterday, including Pats that we showed here earlier that Jamar Chase, Marquise Brown was super nice. Um, but in this one, I didn't have the money and I got stingy and I decided to use T Higgins, which I don't mind at 5.5% at all. Ended up with the Kelsey and Moreau here again. And this was another team that I pivoted. Uh, let me, let me see what this lineup was initially, because now I'm getting confused. This lineup, um, Ooh, okay. Here you go, Paul. This lineup did initially have Miles Sanders in it. So I did a three V three swap from Miles Sanders. Um, who was the other one in Tyler Johnson? I did. I went down from, uh, Tyler Johnson to Foster Moreau and then use that $500. Miles Sanders was 5,100 to get up to James Conner because I had Miles Sanders coming in at 15% ownership. And so I knew I didn't have enough of a smash uh, early to just completely uh, eat all that chalk. And I knew I was going to continue to let the Henderson chalk ride. So I made that switch off of Sanders to Conner Moreau. Again, I don't mind that swap at all. Uh, obviously it, it worked out, you know, points wise, but I think it got me to a spot uh, where I was in better shape because this is this was the thing that was tricky about yesterday, and we were grappling with it on the tilt space where we were in that weird kind of gray zone um, 
gray area for, for figuring out whether to late swap or not, where you feel like you have decent min cash equity, uh, in this lineup, I definitely felt like I wanted to be more aggressive. There's a lot bigger difference in min cashing and a spy than there is in the, in the $4,444 contest. Um, but yeah, this, this lineup was, was tricky. I, you know, in hindsight, I obviously should have gotten off of Henderson, uh, because I was more behind and my lead wasn't as safe as I thought it was. This lineup is at least getting closer to kind of where I want to be. Um, the, you know, I did do, I mentioned I was cycling through the minis with the Chiefs and the Titans. So this one, I had the AJ Brown and Travis Kelsey. Um, yeah, very close in this lineup. The Packers defense was another one of my favorite defensive plays. Get them at 2.3%. 14 points is nice. Um, basically just need chase in this lineup and need a way to find Henderson to Cooper cup. And then, and then we're, then we're cooking there. Um, I was never not going to play um an AJ Brown uh with without uh without a chief probably so I don't know if there's any way around me not having a, a Kelsey or a chief in here. I did mess with some builds where I had Hardman uh as a mini correlation but yeah, this one was close. You can see how this one was close. Need Cooper Cup, need Jamar Chase, but TTP trust the process, don't mind it. Um Let's see here. Oh, I, I do accept it. I, I fully accept that uh, Cup is the new Michael Thomas, and I can't wait to not play him this week when he's more expensive and 40% owned. <laughs> then I could be right. God, that's what happens with these plays, is that the price keeps going up, the ownership keeps going up, and they just keep burying you. Um, But yeah, Cooper Cup is is on a different level. Gem City Gridiron. I went with Boyd in my Lamar stack, which was a no-go finish 216th. Yeah. Yeah. I I've I've kind of had to rethink, you know, how I feel about Boyd in this offense. You know, we've we've definitely seen kind of that separation now where Jamar Chase is the alpha ceiling play. T. Higgins, I think we know still has that ceiling, especially when he's underpriced sub 5,000. I think he's a good value and offers that kind of risk reward profile we want. But Tyler Boyd is just getting squeezed from a target perspective. Uh, we know Tyler Boyd is good, but he really relies on volume. And then you toss in CJ Zoma, you know, soaking up targets, you know, also when, when you have those big touchdown plays too, it eliminates the kind of drives where, where Tyler Boyd can actually eat underneath and, and rack up a nice PPR drive. So CJ Azoma just ruining our Tyler Boyd love there. So yeah, I, I didn't end up playing Tyler Boyd mainly because I think I had Tyler Boyd last week, but him and Higgins were so close in, in price. There wasn't a huge difference there. What was Boyd like 4,400 that I was happy to get up to Higgins and try to access what I perceived as a slightly higher ceiling. But yeah, I think it's it's time to move Boyd down into a different tier as far as how we think about him as a as a DFS play. Let's check out um, one of my last spy lineups, and then we'll hop over and check out the Deposit Kingdom League here. Um, let's see this this question from Joe because I think this is you know what we were all wrestling with yesterday, what I was struggling with. Joe says I was struggling with win to late swap. I finished 21st in the rake free contest. Should I have swapped off Henderson 
Edmonds and Godwin, or was it the right play to let it ride? Let's let's head over there right now then and uh and look at this lineup since we pulled up this question 21st and we can we can start to talk through some of this. Uh also just to fill people in because there still seems to be a little confusion. So there used to be the deposit kingdom league on DraftKings, and they capped us at 200. We asked DraftKings, please, pretty please, will you create a rake-free tournament that is bigger so we can get more people in? Smiz hooked us up with the assist. DraftKings is now helping us out. Uh, and each week we've been able to make it bigger. First week was 350, second week was 400, third week was 425. This week I am going to request to make it a very nice 469. Uh, it has been filling by Friday night, the, the 425 filled by Friday night. I expect the 469 to fill by Friday night. So the only way it's a new link each week, it's not like the league where you get the DraftKings notification because DraftKings is manually creating this contest for us. So the two ways to get it are be in the deposit kingdom discord. The link is down below. I post it in multiple channels. I generally get the link on Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday evening, I'll immediately post it in the announcements. I'll post it in the Run the Sims premium channel, and I'll post it in the NFL DFS channel within the Deposit Kingdom. So if you're in that Discord, you cannot miss it. And then I also will include it in the show notes of my videos. You can find it in the Splash Play show notes. You can find it in the GPP Strategy show notes on Friday, the Showdown Cram show notes, etc. So no excuses if you don't get in the contest. I just laid out exactly how to get in. I do not post it on Twitter. It is just for the deposit kings out there. That is the deal. Now let's take a look at this lineup that uh, JK in KC was asking about here. Finishes 21st. Uh, I love uh, this lineup here already because I see that you were smart and got on the pits bring back instead of the Ridley. I think that just making that slight pivot from Ridley to pits was so sharp. You get in the Jamar Chase, Marquise Brown mini correlation we talked about and loved. And I do not think, I mean, the, the tough thing here is the only mistake I really honestly see is like, I wouldn't have played the Ravens at 2,900 with the Jamar Chase mini because what you're really hoping for is the Jamar Chase explosion spot, which you got which is really going to hurt the Ravens defense. So I would have wanted to come down from that 2,900 and, you know, come down to, um, <laughs> I don't want to say the Jets. I mean, even coming down to the uh, the Chiefs, I thought would have been fine going down to the Giants uh, if we didn't think they were going to be popular. But I probably would have gotten off the Ravens D. But as to your swap question, in this size contest, I would not have swapped. You already knew Chase Edmonds was going to be low-owned. You knew Henderson and Godwin were going to be popular, but you crushed. You earned the right to let those best plays ride. You have Jamar Chase at 10% go for 37, and you have Kyle Pitts at 3.8% go for 26. Yes, you have the Ravens defense, but in this small of a contest, I think you were justified in not, in not late swapping. Now, if this was in a much bigger contest, I think you probably want to swap off of at least one of Henderson or Godwin. At that point, there's probably too much chalk. You're probably capping your ability to charge up a leaderboard. But in this contest with 425 people in the smash start with low-owned plays, I think you, I think you're completely justified in letting that in letting that ride. 
It's Mookie says, maybe it's bad process, but I'm pretty much just crossing out any expensive wide receiver that is 15% and not in a stack. So the only thing I'd push back on that is uh, we, we, we have to still be slate, you know, specific and, and slate contextual with these decisions. You know, part of the reason I was okay eating the Henderson and Derrick Henry chalk yesterday is because their ceiling projection was significantly different than the rest of the field. And they had a real chance to separate. There are there are many slates, if we play this slate 10,000 times, where Derrick Henry and Darrell Henderson score 10-plus more points than the next closest running back. I think that's that's safe to say based on their projection, their role, their usage, their talent profile, etc. I think similarly, Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, but, but Cooper Cup specifically with this role he has, I think he has now entered a different territory. And we, we saw PayPal and I've seen other people make the conversation or uh, connection to, to Michael Thomas, where his target share and his usage is so obscene that it's giving him a similar floor that we see from the bell cow backs. And I do think we need to view Cooper cup differently. And the difference is, is Darrell Henderson was getting, was the chalk running back. And granted he was much cheaper. He was what? 1800 cheaper than Cooper Cup. But Darrell Henderson as the confident running back play at 43% versus Cooper Cup as the confident wide receiver top play at 16%. I mean, what did he come in in this in our contest? Did no one play Cooper Cup in our contest? All right, 20%. At 20%, like that that's an inefficiency relative to his role. And that that's what I'm beating myself up about and what I would say Mookie is I wouldn't I I kind of crossed uh crossed him off too, but I think it was bad to cross him off in that range. Cause I, I, like I was saying, I think if he's 35, 40%, then it's like, all right, that that's too much. That's too much. And that would, that would also mean that there was going to be really good leverage spots in that offense uh, to play it otherwise. But Henderson at 43 cup at 20. Uh, I don't think we want to just blindly cross Cooper cup off there in the same way. I didn't blindly cross Derrick Henry off. Like Derrick Henry was the Cooper Cup play at running back, whereas like, all right, this guy's gotten expensive, but we know he has an absurd ceiling, and now the field isn't just going to be blindly jamming him. I got excited about Derrick Henry, but for some reason didn't allow myself to get excited about Cooper Cup when I think, you know, when you consider lineup construction, they were pretty similar plays. So yeah, I'm 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 beating myself up over not uh, at least splitting kind of my. You know, in the same way I was cycling through my Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, why wasn't I cycling through my Darrell Henderson and Cooper Cups? Well, as I answer my own rhetorical question, the reason was running back was so gross. And there weren't a ton of alternatives I liked at running back, whereas there was a lot that I liked at wide receiver. Getting down into that mid-range, there were a lot of plays that were fairly attractive. So that's how it goes. I'm trying not to beat myself up too much. Do think it was a mistake to to be so narrow in my pool that I didn't have any Cooper Cup. Um, let's see. We're being a bit results oriented here. I'm not though because I I'm strictly talking about ownership percentage. We already know that Cooper Cup has an insane role. He's he's had ten plus targets in every single game. Like there there's no debating that. I'm strictly talking about ownership percentage. When we flip the cards over, that's when we know. If it was a mistake or not, it had nothing to do with Cooper Cup going for 40 points. It has to do with Cooper Cup coming in at 20% when he had the highest ceiling on the slate. 
look at the ETR ceiling projections for Cooper Cup. He had a higher ceiling than the quarterbacks. Cooper Cup was a smash play at 20%. And the ownership projections I had him at were around 20%. And I I ignored that. So I, I don't think we're being results oriented. I think I was just assuming this steam premium where I thought he was going to come in closer to 25 to 30%. I was like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. But when you flip over the cards and you see Cooper cup at 20% in this contest, you see him at, you know, 14.6% in the other contest. That's not being results oriented. That is, that is not being on an insane play at a really good ownership percentage. And, and like I said, too, I think we're, we're past the time where we just say, well, wide receivers productions too volatile to play a wide receiver at 20% right? Like these guys are now different. You know, we saw it ushered in with the Michael Thomas thing. We see it with Devonte Adams at the goal line. These guys are now almost extensions of the run game. And some of these teams pass above expectation so much that I, I think we need to view a few of them differently than we traditionally view wide receivers. If we want to still view Tyree kill as this, you know, boom, bust, highly volatile, volatile play. I think that's fine. But, but Cooper cup, dare I say, is now built different. So I do think it was a mistake on Cooper Cup. Let's see here. Um, let's check out some of the other Deposit Kingdom uh, lineups here. Nick Vogel has a Tom Brady. Look at you guys all on this Jamar Chase, Marquise Brown mini stack. Too sharp. You do the Tom Brady to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, the premium double. I believe this is what Drico had in his nice lineup as well doing no bring back there, which we talked about this week with all the big implied totals uh, and not a lot of attractive pieces on the Browns, on the Texans. I think it was perfectly viable not to bring this back here. You eat the uh, Darrell Henderson chalk and, you know, similar kind of thing to that other late swap scenario we're looking at. You see here, Nick uh, has the Marquise Brown, Jamar Chase go off. He has uh, Damian Harris go off, and then he knows that Mike Evans is going to not be, you know, super chalky. And I think it's completely fine to let Darrell Henderson ride in this lineup, as with Chris Godwin, who is clearly uh, a focal point of this double stack. I I didn't want to play Cardinals D. You know, we joked. I said Cardinals D was the worst play on the slate because they were going to come in thirty to thirty five percent in small field. But, but then Nick may be too sharp knowing that all of us, the deposit kingdom hive mind was going to feel similarly. And then they come in at eight at 18% in this contest. So I still don't love playing a defense at 18% um, in general, but I think if you were going to play it, it would be in a GPP galaxy brain contest where, where uh, a bunch of us decided that that was a bad play, but this is a nice lineup. And I know Schmohawks requested on Twitter that I would check out his lineup as well has a Lamar Jackson to Bateman. He ignored us on the Marquise Brown play, but he did do a double bring back with Joe Mixon and Jamar chase. That looks nice. He jammed both of the Rams top plays, Darrell Henderson, Cooper cup, brought it back with Deandre Swift and did a foster Moreau punt play there. Giants D. I mean, this is just a really nice lineup. This is, this is kind of, uh, I think is one of those lineups that I don't play a lot in the bigger spy contest, but I think is perfectly viable in these smaller field 
contest. You know, we saw Karain's, you know, Matthew Stafford triple. And, and we talk about what is the thing, just eliminating the number of things you have to get right. I mean, this is basically two games, right? I mean, this is two games other than a Foster Moreau pump play in Giants D. You don't even have to give much, much extra thought to the pump play. You don't have to give a lot of thought to the D. He just says, what if this Baltimore Cincy game goes off? What if this LA Rams uh, Detroit game goes off? Two things right. All Schmohawks had to get right was two things. He got those things right. He finishes second here for a nice $300 win, turning $10 into $300. Nice job, Schmohawks. I love this lineup for this field size contest. I would probably be making tweaks off of this lineup in a larger contest. I'm probably trying to get off Bateman, trying to get to Marquise Brown. Um, I'm probably doing like a 2v2 where I come down from Henderson. I go up from Bateman to Brown, um, something like that. But in general, I think this was a nice lineup for this contest. Um, let's see here. Were there any other lineups? I, I recognize DJ here. Uh, DJ had the, the, the classic double stack as well. Cup with Higby with the Swift bring back. He had the Higgins one-off, similar to me. Had a Devonta Smith one-off here. Lots of one-offs in this lineup. Um, not necessarily a bad thing. It just makes it harder, the amount of things you have to get right. But uh, I liked living in this, this mid-five range for defense. Just avoids uh, a lot of the big chalk plays there. And he did the smart thing. You didn't play Darrell Henderson, and you found a way to get in Cooper Cup. I think this lineup looks uh, looks very nice to me here. Yeah, it is so funny. Of course, we get Foster Moreau at, uh, let's see here. So he's at 14% here. What was he at in some of my other stuff? Uh, let me go to one of my lineups where I used him. Foster Moreau, 6.6%. So that's what happens. You guys are too sharp. Um, ownership almost uh, more than double in the Deposit Kingdom GPP. It is very fun to look at the ownership discrepancies. Someone someone needs to make a spreadsheet because, you know, people will look at, okay, what's the difference uh, between the millimaker ownership and the spy or even the slant? And you see pretty big differences just based on the quality of player. Someone needs to make a third column in their spreadsheet and uh, export the deposit kingdom ownership percentages. Uh, that would be very funny to see uh, which guys are are getting steamed and faded more so than in the other contests here. That's <laughs> true. Frederick says, Pete's streams have created a collective unconscious galaxy brain affecting ownership. <laughs> this sounds like, uh, what was it when Gwyneth Paltrow called her, uh, her divorce a, a conscious uncoupling? <laughs> a collective unconscious galaxy brain. It is true. It is true. We're sick. We're sick. Um, but I kind of like it. We we sharpen our swords over here in the battlegrounds of the Deposit Kingdom, and then we head off to our spies and our spin moves and our four 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 fours, and we try to take advantage of the sheep, those without the lion mentality, willing to galaxy brain their DFS rosters. Um. As we wrap up here, this was one of my final lineups here. This was one of those where I was like, all right, I have my core. I want to get a little funky around one of my builds here. And of course, my best lineup on the day ended up being my most galaxy brain lineup. 
Um, once I knew that Foster Moreau was opening up there, got to this Derek Carr double stack with Renfro and Moreau, bring it back with Devonta Smith. Very happy, obviously, with these ownerships. Living down here in that 5,000 range, avoiding the chalk. And then, of course, uh, I did did have one Cooper Cup here. Uh, there I was beating myself up so much, and I did forget that I did have one Cooper Cup lineup. I redeemed myself. This is how, how hard we are on each other. I could have sworn I had no Cooper Cup. I literally pulled this up right now and forgot that I had Cooper Cup in a lineup. Trust the process. I'm not a complete donkey. I am not a complete donkey here. Um, I love to see it. So let's see the uh, the other thing though. I did have a, a one off Tyree kill. This is what this is what I was thinking through when I galaxy brain this as my my one thing here is like I have the Tyree kill with all the Derrick Henry. What if the combination you need is actually two of the ceiling wide receivers, Tyree kill and Cooper Cup, which was a good thesis I think here. Um, and this is why I tossed it into this bigger red zone contest relative to some of the smaller spies. But you see here again, this is, this is why I need to force myself to continue to be a little more contrarian because this lineup, uh, barely gets anything right. And it still finds a way to cash because I did find myself onto an 18.8% Cooper cup played a contrarian defense, used the foster Moreau to unlock the double elite wide receivers two contrarian running backs. Definitely my best lineup there. Um, Nika asks here, how many, uh, lineups do you usually make? Um, I'm normally making, uh, three to four of my core lineups. And then because DraftKings knows how to get me registering for more contests as I chase crowns, uh, I will normally make a few galaxy brain lineups that are kind of pivots off of my core. So it was like, all right, I'm playing a lot of Jalen hurts, double stacks, uh, or, or Jalen Hurts skinning stacks with a bring back on Oakland. Let's let's make one that's actually the Oakland double stack. So similar core, just a little bit more off the radar. So I'm making four to five lineups on my own, and then with Tilt Space, we're making you know two to three uh, lineups as well. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's where I feel most comfortable. I will even say, even that, I was getting a little frazzled as far as. Um, once I knew kind of the Foster Moreau stuff was opening up, I started messing with my stuff a little bit, but ultimately it was a good late swap sw slate. So I felt comfortable having more teams. I thought I would have a lot of flexibility late with kind of the Tyler Johnson, Van, Jeff Van Jefferson, Foster Moreau stuff. So yeah, to answer your question, four to five on my own, another two to three with tilt space. And that that's about my max. That's about my max where I feel like I can make good lineups um, without being overextended too much. Sean says here, played my first deposit kingdom contest. Skid 68 came in 75th. Thanks Pete. Nice job. Welcome to the deposit kingdom. Uh, happy to have you here. Like I said, I will be posting those, uh, those tournament links every week, probably Tuesday evening in the discord. Um, following up, which contest do I usually enter? The ones that you saw me in here today. So I'm playing most of the spies. They have spies across different contest size. Here's a 4,444. I played a double spy, which is a $200 entry, but much smaller, 833 entries. I played the 150K spy, which was 1,666 entries. I played the uh, 100K spy, which had 1,100 entries. Um, and then this red zone here, uh, another, uh, is this a 50 or $75 single entry? 
$50 single entry with uh, 2,300 people. So that that's generally the contest I'm playing on my own. I will say, you know, we looked at Pat's lineup earlier. This contest, I believe, was only 188 people, somewhere in that range. So um, I do think I should even consider more like if I am wanting to run out a triple stack or a, a lineup um, that won the Deposit Kingdom tournament where you're really just doing like a double game stack. I think getting in those contests that are sub 200 size is really smart. And and I think you should also just think through where your strengths are right now, because to me, I, I'm just very comfortable building these spy lineups that are anywhere from, you know, the 800 to, you know, 4,000 range. I feel like I have a really good grasp on those tournaments. You know, you can see like Leone plays a lot of the Thunderdome stuff where he'll run out lineups like this which are essentially just getting a couple things right. And so if you if you think your style is maybe more onslaughting a team or just jamming two games, then scale your contest size down. If you have a little bit more of a galaxy brain in you, uh, then then you can open up your, your contest selection a little bit and get in some of those bigger contests. So I do think it's really important to try to match up your skill set uh, and just what you're comfortable with with those specific, uh, contests, because as we've seen, uh, that contest selection is, is very important for me. I, I'm trying to do what uh Shubot did. I'm trying to win a hundred thousand dollars in the spot. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. So that's kind of the groove I'm generally in when making my lineups. Um, I could probably increase my ROI a little bit if I drop down to just super small field stuff, but that's not exactly part of my goals. My goals are, are to take down the spy and, and get that big payday. So that's what I kind of optimize for. Other people might be optimizing for something different and that's completely okay. But as long as you're conscious of where your strengths are and you're lining up your contest selection to match that, I think you will be in, uh, you will be in good shape. Um, Steve asks, when you win big with the tilt space guys, how do you distribute the winnings? Hit big with the boys this week and don't know the best way to pay them their share. So we we just settle up at the end of the year. We we gave Leone our share of our our contributions at the top, and then that's our bankroll. And then Leone enters the contest for us, and we don't deal with with payouts until the end of the year with that with that bankroll. Um I don't know if I have a specific suggestion for you and the boys. Um, the one thing I would say to be very conscious of is there are tax implications. You are going to get a 1099 from DraftKings and your accountant is going to need to create 1099s that will be sent to your friends. That's what happened last year. We won. We had a winning year on the tilt space that those winnings were on Leone's account so that tax liability was on his account, which means he needs to get specific 1099s for my winnings and make sure that he's not taking on that entire liability. So um, I would just be conscious of that. But otherwise, uh, it sounds like you just need to withdraw and uh, and pay up your boys. Or uh, to make it clean, you guys can just keep a shared bankroll on your account like we do with Leone and settle up at the end of the year. But definitely be aware of the tax implications there. Um all right, guys, I appreciate you guys hanging out. I am going to be back today at 2.30 p.m. Eastern for Splash Play with Spags. Always a fun show. We recap 
the uh, the week seven slate. We also do a little uh, early waiver wire draft and all that good stuff. I'm also going to do a showdown cram tonight. Excited for the showdown slate. Uh, I know that seems crazy uh, to be excited for Seahawks without Russell Wilson and New Orleans Saints showdown cram. But uh, with the run the sim tools, I've been having a ton of fun building. Uh, if you want to kind of get in the uh, in the lineup building mode with us, the Run the Sims channel within the Deposit Kingdom Discord, which is a premium channel. Uh, I've been sharing the top leverage plays and the top uh, for both captain and um, flex spots. So I, I generally update my, my spreadsheets in the late afternoon, early evening, and then uh, we kind of finalize stuff on the show. So you can get access to that channel via two ways you can become a run the sims member if you sign up you get 10 percent off and i will manually add you to that private discord channel or you can become a youtube member down below it is the hand builders and opto bros tier you sync your discord with your youtube happy to help you out with that if you need and then you get access to that channel always lots of good conversation going in there and thank you mookie yes the the leverage plays have uh, have been very nice. We've been doing good. The Sims have been pointing us in the right direction. I didn't do a showdown cram yesterday, but Michael Pittman was the best leverage captain yesterday. I shared that in the Discord, and uh, Michael Pittman did well. So, yes, uh, trust the Sims, and uh, we've been doing a good job of kind of identifying those top leverage plays, and, and then we just have to hope to get lucky and get the right pieces around that. So appreciate you guys. Enjoy your Monday. I'll see you guys back at uh, 2.30 for Splash Play.